Columbus parking meters get hungrier. Columbus casino opponents make their move, and the Blue Jackets have a deal maker. These topics and more this week on Columbus on the Record. From the Battelle studio at WOSU at Coside, this is Columbus on the Record, WOSU TV's weekly analysis of the top stories affecting Central Ohio. Joining Mike Thompson this week, William Hershey, State House Bureau Chief for the Dayton Daily News. Daryl Rowland, Public Affairs Editor for the Columbus Dispatch. Terry Casey, Republican Strategist. And Sandy Tice, Public Relations Consultant. If you park downtown on a regular basis and you feed a meter, you know by now those meters are getting hungrier than they were. The city of Columbus is in the process of increasing downtown parking meter rates, some by as much as 50%. Drivers who park are not happy. Downtown stores and restaurants are really not happy. They've asked Columbus City Council to halt the increases, but while members of council angrily blame bureaucrats for raising the rates, the council did not veto the increase. Terry Casey, lots of finger pointing, but the rates are still the same. They're high. Well, they're going, they were high, and now they're even going higher. And of course, if you're one or two minutes over, you might get hit with a $25 or $35 ticket. And the irony is when City Hall says they want more people to come downtown and they're going to spend $190,000 to fix up fronts, it isn't very conducive. I had one person today say, for a quick lunch today in part of the downtown, or yesterday, he had to have nine quarters. And how many people have nine quarters in their pocket in order to feed the meter for less than an hour and a half? Now the solution is to have those meters take credit cards. Is that gonna appease folks? I think it would help because mm -hmm. I have gotten a couple tickets in the last couple of weeks, and I was waiting for a ride yesterday and a police officer, you know how cold it was, he's walking, looking at all the meters, seeing how much time was left, and I watched two people get tickets and I was waiting for 10 minutes. They are stalking people. <laughs> and so I think the prices are high, but I think the credit cards would help because nobody has that kind of coinage on them. But I think Terry's point's a good one. They say they want people to come downtown. There isn't any retail downtown now other than a few convenience stores and, uh, and there are some good restaurants but this isn't an inviting way uh, to make people want to come to downtown Columbus. Uh, I, I think one of the, the problematic parts, Mike, is that this was sold as having been vetted and you know all the interested parties got their say and it's now turning out that's not quite the case. As, as my colleague Bob Vitale, who covers City Hall, is reporting, um, you know, it was represented, for instance, the experience Columbus had endorsed it. Um, not the case. Uh, there were supposedly news releases and ads put out. Not really the case. So mm -hmm. that's not uh, that's not looking good in the rearview mirror. Do you think members of city council didn't know? Well, Maybe it they got didn't lost know in the they shuffle. They should have. Maybe yeah. they should not be on city council. Well, that's a whole other issue. The quality <laughs> of some of the uh, city council members. But the, the thing is, when you uh, uh, if you want people to be downtown and you got to compete with. Easton and the shopping malls and the other places where they've either got free parking or they don't harass you in the same sort of way, it's easy for consumers to make a choice, which is avoid the downtown. Well, do you think they increase these uh, prices because this is for people who have to be downtown? These aren't discretionary shoppers. They're not coming downtown to Lazarus or Macy's because there isn't one there. Maybe these are people who have to be here and they figure we can get these people because they have nowhere else to go. 
Do the parking lot owners downtown like this plan? I'm guessing that if you have to shell out nine quarters or use your credit card to pay six bucks, it's easier just to park in a lot and not risk getting a ticket. Or the other alternative is just avoid the downtown. Mm -hmm. Unless you gotta be there, I mean, between, as Bill put it, there isn't much to attract you downtown, and when they harass you this way, uh, that's why a lot of people say, why go there? So we, I guess there's some committee now going to study it some more. They are going to study the impact of this. Do we ever see the parking meter rates going down, or do we see this blowing over and some new controversy will take over? I think it depends on how much of a stink people raise about it. Yeah. The business owners. Yeah, and the residents too. I mean, I'm telling you, the police are very aggressively monitoring these. I think the city's trying to make some extra money. Yeah, it's not the quarters you put in. It's the little orange ticket you find on your car yeah. when yes. you come back that'll keep and you from if, going downtown again. And it's not a ten dollar ticket. No. I think it's now what, Sandy, up to twenty five dollars. The ones I got were twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are the cheap ones. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, here's an idea: put a bunch of parking meters near a downtown casino and have them accept <laughs> leftover poker chips. Maybe that will end two controversies mm -hmm. at once. Opponents to the Columbus Casino made their first formal move this week. They, with the help of State Senators David Goodman and Jim Hughes, introduced legislation that would change the recently passed casino amendment to allow counties, namely Franklin County, to reject casinos through a local vote. Casino developer Penn National basically said, good luck with that. Darrell? <laughs> what's uh, what's going to happen next? Well, you know, when you approve a constitutional amendment statewide, a lot of people say, game over, why are we even talking about this? Um, the counter argument is the casino issue is unlike any other issue that's been on statewide ballot, even the smoking ballot comparison that some have made. I thought perhaps most intriguing about Senator Goodman's testimony, not necessarily the, his proposal per se, was that the talks seemed to shift from we don't want a casino at all in Franklin County because we vote against it to we don't want a Frank, uh, casino there mm -hmm. in the arena district. Um, you know, how about Westland Mall or some other site like that? Um, will that prove amenable to the Penn people? I don't know. I, I think this is the, the offer that's being put before them. Um, you move or we're going to fight you. And, you know, to paraphrase Churchill, you know, in the churches and in the, <laughs> the precincts, uh, in the courts and whatever. And if, uh, you know, Mike Coleman and city council stands up and says, we're not going to give you streets. We're not going to give you public utilities. It could get real interesting. Mm -hmm. What is it, the war of Franklin County secession? I may have missed something, but the casino uh, is supposed to go in the arena district, and the opponents act like the casino district is Disneyland or something. It's got the arena bars. District. It's not the casino district yet, the arena the district. The arena district. <laughs> 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 yeah, maybe I'm thinking that, but it's got bars, restaurants. Uh, and this isn't the, a bunch of YMCA's down there already. And, uh, and actually that site is about three blocks from, from the, the Huntington, the baseball park, <laughs> so it's not really in the arena district. But my understanding is in the past week, the mayor basically told Penn National it's not going to happen. So there's coming to a point where, yes, Penn National is going to have a chance. Maybe it's Cooper Stadium, some places, Daryl mentioned out west. So there's a lot of negotiating going on, and one of the things to watch for is in the constitutional amendment, the governor must appoint members of the Casino Control Commission, who he appoints, they have to be approved by the state senate. Most importantly, there's gotta be enabling legislation, and I think Penn National is gonna find they're gonna have some problems getting that through the legislature. 
This is the compromise, what Daryl talked about, moving it someplace else. The reason why people don't want it in the arena district is because it will be counterproductive to people living in that district, and that's what you need to take it to the next level. The family-friendly argument is kind of a cover story for that. But Penn National spent $38 million to kill the Wilmington Casino last year, and they spent about $55 million on this plan. The city can jack them around for several years and keep this out of the arena district. So what they need to do is get behind a plan that allows Franklin County to move it someplace else. But can they do that? Because it's so specific in the Constitution. It's going to be built on this specific site. But they site. can change the Constitution. They so they have to go back to the voters. That is my understanding. No matter what they want to do. Or, or the other option is ultimately when the VLTs come back again, because they're still in play, potentially, maybe, there might be a little negotiating deal that maybe a VLT package will have some racetracks and maybe another location in Franklin County. So there's options, but clearly they're playing big stake poker between the Columbus power structure versus so Penn National. So we're going to move the casino because a bunch of rich people want to move downtown. Is that basically it, Sandy? Well, I don't necessarily think it's a bunch <laughs> of rich people. Well, they're going to pay three hundred to five hundred thousand dollars for a condo. They're either rich people or they're going to go into debt. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's part of a planned development. That was all part of that development of that whole district. And now, I mean, I, I would like to move down there. I'm not moving down there if there's a casino as, you as didn't my like neighbor. National. No, I didn't, but yeah. I didn't want to move. I, I mean, we wanted to move down there, and then when we found out about this, we thought, well, maybe we need to find another place. So if it has to go back on the ballot, don't you think that the racing interest in West Virginia might do something that might run some kind of campaign on that ballot. But, but that's the risk of... I mean, that's, that's why Penn National may not want to play that Wait game. Wait a minute, how are they going to exactly. get 20 in, uh, votes in the Senate and 60 votes in the House to put yeah, it back right. on the ballot? Well, Do you think they... Maybe they will, I don't know. That's hurdle number one. I mean, the, it seems like the hopes of, of, of Senator Goodman and the local folks is that this is our fight. Why, you know, why would you oppose this one or another? It's, you know, it's no skin off. But, but there's still you know, a, lot of, wheel, there's or a lot of wheeling and dealing to happen because, again, Penn National can't pay their $50 million to get their license until the legislature passes some rules and regulations on how it's going to be done. And John Kasich now wants to stop it as well, what along with the governor. <laughs> no, the governor's uncertain. Well, he's kind of seemed kind of negative. At least that's the way I read the headline in the paper. It sounded like he wasn't too excited about it. He's hedging his bets. Yeah, right. John Kasich doesn't want to buck the Columbus business establishment. That's where John Kasich is from. If John Kasich was from Cleveland, I don't think he'd be as outspoken about this. But he didn't, he didn't oppose it before the vote, though. No, no he, he did not. In fact, he actually said some things that were favorable to expanded gambling. Yeah. All right, let's get to that casino, I mean the arena district. The possible Blue Jackets bailout has a deal maker. Mayor Coleman and Franklin County commissioners have named former Capitol South Director John Rosenberger to broker a deal to keep the Blue Jackets in Columbus. The team is losing money, it says, because of a bad lease deal with Nationwide Arena. The other paper reports Rosenberger favors a plan in which the county would buy the arena and use part of future arena district tax revenues to pay off the debt. Then the Jackets would get free or reduced rent, they would sign great players, they would manage to hold leads late in games, and they would win the Stanley Cup. Derry Casey, <laughs> easy as pie. Uh, I don't believe in the tooth fairy, and it's not quite that easy. Uh, John Rosenberger is a good guy. I've known him since 1970. He grew up in the Zanesville area, and he's got the right temperament to be the Henry Kissinger, but it's very complicated because you've got to fill a $12 million hole every year and even if nationwide gives them free rent about five million you're still left with seven million so some way or another they've got to find some 
beer taxes with Anheuser-Busch doesn't want or cigarettes or other kind of ways to fill that hole so that uh, the Blue Jackets don't leave Columbus. Parking meter taxes? <laughs> <laughs> Just in the area district? You'd need too many quarters. Yeah. Um, this is a debate we, or we've yeah. obviously seen play out over the last, what, 10, yeah. 20 years in communities across the country. Um, you know, I, I suppose we thought we were unique and that we, we had the only successful privately funded one. Well, when, you know, when Mr. Mack died, you know, things seemingly changed and, uh, you know, maybe we're not willing to eat that loss every year, as it were. But city and county, you know, state, there's going to be, you know, I can imagine any general fund money going into this to fill that hole either. But if they use this plan where they take tax, future tax money, a portion of it that would go to the city, the county, and the state, they say they would leave the schools alone. That's still tax dollars that aren't going to police and fire. And a lot of the stuff in the arena district, they gave tax abatements anyway. So, I mean, they said stuff has been built, but if you've already given away certain tax abatements, including on residential properties, uh, you can't have it both ways because if you take the revenue, because they've already done some other TIF tax grabs in the downtown, so there's limited amounts of things because you can take a, give, a, give a tax break. You can only do it so many times. Everyone keeps talking about all the, the hundreds of millions of dollars in economic spinoff the Arena District has had, the Arena has had, the Blue Jackets have had. If everyone's making all this money, why can't they chip in to help the Blue Jackets? Well, and some of that economic game really was a shift. When a Jones Day law firm or a Schottenstein law firm moves from 41 South High to the Arena District, you really haven't gained anything. It's just shifted from one part of the downtown to another. Okay. Let's get to our next topic. State senators still have not figured out a way to erase an $850 million deficit and balance the state budget. Still on the table is Governor Strickland's tax cut delay plan. Republicans want a long-term budget fix, not just the tax hike. Educators this week urged both sides to get a deal done because they say public schools stand to lose $2 billion in state help if lawmakers cannot get a deal done. Bill Hershey, who's going to blink first? Oh, that's a good question. How's that for <laughs> one hand and the other? I don't think there's much blinking going on over there. This is just the latest and the most uh, uh, devastating example of the gridlock at the State House. They've, governors only signed 10 bills this year. The last one was to create a commemorate the War of 1812 commission. That's the kind of thing they can agree on. Uh, I think Governor Strickland is the executive. People usually blame the executive more for breakdowns like this. But this is such a mess, I think they might all get blamed if they don't do anything. So maybe they'll blink mutually before December 31st. But the Senate has the upper hand politically. Those Senate districts are so safe, they're big, a Republican would have to uh, do something really awful to lose in any of them. So they can do whatever they want. But, and don't you think that's, in a way, part of the problem? They've got nothing to lose. They can, they can say, you know, the Republicans have yet to vote on anything that they favor. They don't, you don't favor like anything. Exactly. You, okay, you don't like the governor's plan. What's yours? Vote it out. You control the, the chamber 2112. Make the, the cuts or something. With the Republican plan is that they make it sound so reasonable, long-term budget savings. But if they add things to it, Democrats in the House are going to want to add things to it. Uh, mortgage uh, moratorium, moratorium on foreclosures. They can't be quite as fast and loose 
because they are in danger politically. They could lose their races. But the advantage the Republicans rolled out this week was they had Gordon Gee saying, we need this construction reform because that could save maybe $100 million alone at Ohio State. So they've, they're articulating a little bit better. And also now, we're almost to 2010. Well, in 2011, the state of Ohio's got a six to eight billion dollar deficit hole, and they're saying we got to start preparing for how to fill that big bucket of red ink. I know Gordon Gee walks on water, uh, but he only walks on the Olentangy up in Cleveland and Akron <laughs> and Dayton. They don't really, you know, place quite as much emphasis on Gordon Gee. And if this is such a great plan, construction reform, the Republicans ran all of state government for more than a decade. Yeah. Where were they? Nothing. This just must have come to Bill Harris in the middle of the night. Well, and they're still, what? so vote on it. Yeah, and sh like Daryl well, said, the vote? they yeah. control 21 well, they of the 33 on that, votes. Well, get through the House, so you know? we'd be back where we are right now. But shouldn't, I mean, the construction, re the construction reform is to have a general contractor who picks the subs rather than have individual yeah. contracts. Doesn't that make sense? Wouldn't, couldn't the governor say that's a good compromise? I know that the Legislative Black Caucus has concerns. As long as they mediate those concerns, we're, we're good to go. Well, Bill Harris said after the session, I think I read in Gongwar, that he doesn't have the votes to put that out right now, correct? I think that he doesn't have the votes to get right. the re 12 Democrats aren't going to vote for it. I thought Butish made, Speaker uh, Butish made some sense the other day. If he had told Bill Batchelder in the House, look, I can only get five votes for the governor's uh, plan. Can you get 46 Republicans? He said they would have laughed me out of the state. Mm -hmm. And I think that there may be a little bit of that going See, on. The, the goal here is to act like you're doing something reasonable and the other side is unreasonable, unreasonable. if you are a Republican. Sure. So we can get to January 1st because on January 1st it will not be a delay of the tax cut it will be a tax increase, no, and no that's what the, that's that. what this is about. And it's it's shameful. They need to put their thinking caps on and fix it. And, and that's three weeks from today. You're right. And the, the consequences for school. You mentioned the two billion dollar figure that, that came out yesterday. On just today, the state budget director um, worst worst case scenario, it's five billion, losing all the federal money you would lose. The federal money. Yeah. But but this week, a lot of the headlines also came out on the governor said we had a tight budget, but he wanted new spending like for all day kindergarten. And we're finding out in school districts in Central Ohio, it could be a $30 million unfunded mandate just to make the governor look good for the campaign. the governor's waivers, which we still don't know what they are, that any school district could get out of all day kindergarten. I don't think the education department is working in sync with the governor's office, although they work for him. They should have let these school districts know how they could get out of this mandate, because it is a mandate. Yeah, an, an unfunded one that's going to get real costly. Let's get to a small part of the budget. It does not amount to a lot in the state budget, but state lawmakers who live far from Columbus are able to get reimbursements for the travel between their homes and the statehouse. But some reportedly take the reimbursement even though they are not regularly traveling to their district. As first reported in the Toledo Blade, State Senator Karen Gilmore, a Republican, faces an ethics complaint filed by a Democrat that she improperly claims mileage to and from her home in Tiffin, Ohio, when she nearly spends all of her time at another home in Dublin. Sandy Tice, John Houston, state uh, senators face similar questions. Uh, right. How do we solve this? Um, well, um, uh, Representative Jennifer Garrison introduced legislation that says if you uh, travel the miles, you can get the mileage reimbursement and puts the burden of proof on the legislators. But the John Husted example blows me away because as the Dayton Daily News reported, he went three quarters 
without using any water in his Kettering home, which he says is his, his legal residence. But really, he lives in Upper Arlington with his wife and his children. He takes the mileage reimbursement to and from Kettering. Now, either he's part human and part cactus, or he really isn't traveling back to his district. I didn't know until they did that that water usage records were a public record. But um, why Maybe going to his office, though, I guess, may not go to that's not what That's not what the rule says. The rule okay. says you get the mileage reimbursement if you go to, to your, your primary residence. And you don't have to fill out a form. It's a blanket reimbursement. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's, it, it isn't a lot of money, but in this budget climate, I, I find it offensive that anybody's put money in their pockets that they don't deserve. But the problematic part is with the Husted case, the Ohio Supreme Court has now defined residency so loosely it is going to have to require a well, law change to, to get anywhere but on if this. She's, if what Sandy says is that you have to be using it to go to your residence, if you're just going to your job or to the mall or to a rally, I think That's you shouldn't be getting it. Now, we'll have another Supreme Court case on how broadly <laughs> residence is defined. Yeah, well, exactly. and, and we've got other legislators. I can think of one in Akron with his wife and their house where they really live here, but claim it. So, I mean, I, I don't know whether Jennifer Garrison made many friends in her among her fellow Democrats, because there's a number of legislators where there's questions of how much time they spend here and there. Well, yeah. it should apply to both parties. Clearly, it should. I mean, it's a pretty nice perk. Okay. Our last topic, some new developments in the 2010 campaign. A Rasmussen poll shows leads for Republicans Rob Portman, who is running for Senate, and John Kasich, who is challenging Ted Strickland. And the Republican Party is staying out of the attorney general primary between Mike DeWine and Delaware County Prosecutor Dave Yost. Daryl Rowland, biggest number, Ted Strickland trailing by nine points. Is that, what do you make of that? Um, you're referring to the Rasmussen yes, poll. Rasmussen poll. Um, they've been right a lot of times. I don't particularly mm -hmm. care for their methods of automated telephone calls. However, other polls of Ohio certainly shows that that all Democrats basically across the board are becoming less and less popular. Where we're seeing the mirror image of what we saw in 2006 and 2008 when the Democratic brand became strong. Uh, now the Democrats, especially Democratic incumbents and Democratic candidates like Lee Fisher and Jennifer Bruner are all suffering. So this is still an anti-Strickland number versus a pro-Kasich number in that race? Well, I think part of what's happening is just as you saw in the Virginia and New Jersey governor's races, you've still got Republicans and Democrats being partisan. It's the independents have flopped in 06 and 08. The independents were a lot more interested in the Democrat thing. Now they've suddenly, as happened nationally, they're not very happy with what's happening with Obama and the jobless situation. And it's they're saying, hey, we don't want the Democrats. We don't like what they're selling. Well, I think it is. Uh, anti-Strickland more than pro-Kasich, though, because a previous Quinnipiac poll showed a tie between Strickland and Kasich, and nobody knew who Kasich was. Right. Yep. So if Daryl or Sandy or I or even Terry was on the ballot, we might have done that well with... Uh, the problem Kasich is going to have is that right now what we've seen from him is these um, gimmicky bumper sticker solutions. Let's kill the income tax. Okay, that sounds great, but that's 40% of the state's revenue. And I think when the campaign evolves and people start to pay attention, these guys are going to demand more specific answers from him, and if he doesn't have any, he's going to look pretty darn he bad. He will, but gimmicky, gimmicks work. Remember Turnaround Ohio? Uh, and I think that's coming back to haunt Governor Strickland that right was now. Gimmicks plus a scandal, though. There really isn't a scandal no, that's no. going to oh. feed the Democrat, feed anger, well, anti-Democrat anger. The scandal, I mean, there's scandals in Cuyahoga County, which yeah. is another issue, but the real problem is 
the jobless situation's bad and everything says it isn't going to be a quick recovery. And they're saying, what's Lee Fisher, the development director, and Ted Strickland as governor, what have they done other than double the unemployment rate? But the, the thing is, another topic you mentioned there, the best thing the Democrats have going for them right now is the Republicans. Because this Mike DeWine thing is a little issue, but it's just the tip of the iceberg. Underneath there, the Tea Party people, the real conservative people, they don't like what the Republicans have put up before, and the Democrats should fan all that discontent as, as much as they can. Is that GOP lack of endorsement basically an endorsement for Yost, or are they really staying out of it, Terry, real quick? Uh, it really doesn't matter. I mean, Mike DeWine's got the name ID and he's got the money. Um, so whether he's endorsed or not, it doesn't really matter. He's the clear favorite, regardless of any right. endorsement. Whether or not he gets the conservatives out to vote for him in a general is, you know, is the next story. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our weekly off-the-record comments from our panel. Some final thoughts, predictions for the weeks, months, even the new year ahead. Bill Hershey, you're up first. Well, the controversy over which state legislators live where reminds me of that ancient rock and roll philosopher Clarence the Frogman Henry, <laughs> who famously croaked, I ain't got no home. <laughs> At a time when thousands of Ohioans are struggling to keep one house, maybe these lawmakers got too many homes. <laughs> Daryl? I think the uh, outrage of ordinary Ohioans is going to pass a, a tipping point here in these next few weeks, uh, especially when it becomes evident that this budget stalemate is actually keeping money from people's pockets. Um, if, you got, if you get your refund early in the year and file by paper, you ain't going to get it next year. Sorry. I predict that uh, somebody's going to say, why'd they schedule a global warming conference in Copenhagen, where the Ohio EPA director is? It was kind of a bad choice to pick it right in the middle of a pretty bad uh, cold spell going through Ohio and the Midwest. All right. And Sandy. Uh, the budget will be resolved by cutting the baby in half. We're going to see half of the tax cut uh, delayed in the first year, and then we will see it um, not delayed in the second year. So the Republicans will be able to blame the Democrats for raising your taxes in the second year, and the Democrats will be able to take credit for solving the budget in the first year. It will be strange and complicated, but uh, it will get the newspapers off their backs. All right. That's Columbus on the Record for this week. We urge you to check out our website. Lots of good stuff there. You can get a preview of the topics we're going to discuss, streaming video in case you miss an episode. Also, a link to our Facebook page and my blog, all at our website, wosu.org slash cotr. For our crew here at WOSU at COSI and for our panel, I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good week.